let's get real. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello and welcome to America WK. My name is Andrew WK, and I'm very pleased, feel very fortunate to be here at all, to be, well, anywhere at all, but especially here speaking with you and alive to do so. More and more as time goes by, it seems more and more remarkable that almost anything is alive, that almost anything has survived. And I don't just mean survived our current circumstances, but survived throughout the ages, down through time, to allow you and I to exist. Think of all the incredible odds that were defied, that could have easily wiped out not just us, but even the possibility of you and I existing. Not to mention all the other folks and all the other situations, all the versions of the world that surround us. The, the, the fact is that it almost shouldn't exist. The odds of even the planet Earth existing seem so remarkably slim that the more we study the universe, the more we study space, the more that we study what we would call reality, the more infinitesimally small the odds are that any of this has taken place in the first place. It is mind-boggling. It's so mind-boggling that it's, it's frightening. It's overwhelming. It, it, it goes into a territory that can only be described as confusing. But it's a type of awe-inspiring confusion. It's a type of dumbstruck wonder. Almost a fearful amount of amazement at what has taken place to allow things to be what they are. Even in all their troubled conditions, it is in re- it's, it's very important to remember how amazing things still remain. And it's almost easier to appreciate how good we may have it when we look out around us and see so much strife, so much suffering, so much pain, so much tragedy, so much chaos, the little things that somehow allow us to have a good time at all, a moment without pain and suffering, are that much easier to appreciate. So just being able to To be here, to have the ability on so many levels to speak with you, to have you there with me, it just, it's not lost on me. It's not something I take for granted. And as I said, every passing moment of every passing day, this becomes not only harder to deny, but more and more upfront in my face to the point where it becomes confounding in its own self. Uh, The feeling of confusion seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And I don't know if it's actually a result of any particular circumstances or events. Could easily be. But it also seems possible that this feeling of confusion may have always been there. And that... I myself, or maybe other folks, maybe you relate to this, that we're, we're becoming more aware of this confusion that has always been present. Or perhaps it's a bit of both. Perhaps it's a combination of an awareness of the craziness that we seem to be surrounded by. But I think this confusing feeling is a result of something a bit more subtle. Or a bit more natural, 
actually, which is this human desire that we each have. Seems very much a part of being human. This desire to make sense out of the senseless. To find order in the midst of chaos. To give reason for the unreasonable. And to make something uh, make sense when faced with really senseless situations. I think we owe it to ourselves to develop the strength to allow the world to not always make sense. And in a way, I guess that's still following the same impulse, that the world not making sense is a way of it making sense. Admitting that there will be times of confusion and senselessness is a type of clarity or understanding in itself. To understand that we won't always understand why something has happened. And to resist the urge to force an experience or an event or any kind of phenomenon or occurrence, to, to resist the urge to force it into an explanation. To resist the urge to make it tangible. To make it containable. To make it almost withstandable. There are some things that we don't ever have to make sense of. It doesn't mean we can't think about them a great deal. It doesn't mean we can't open our hearts and minds entirely to a certain tragedy or a certain very painful situation. But we must allow that very painful tragedy to not have to be explained away. We don't have to find that security or experience that satisfaction of having it make sense. It's natural to want closure, but the kind of closure that we're sometimes looking for is just not going to be found. Sometimes the world just doesn't make sense. Or it makes all too much sense in a way that we wish were not true. That sometimes just horrible things have happened. And there's not really any rhyme or reason to it beyond that. The rhyme and reason is that it's an unpredictable, insecure world. The one thing that we have in the midst of that, the one thing we can control, or at least have a a, a, a hope, a chance of having some kind of actual influence over is ourselves, is our strength, is our own spirit, our own character, and how we handle ourselves and how we direct our feelings, how we follow our emotions and live in the midst of an otherwise uncontrollable experience. Being alive is very, very intense. But trying to reduce that intensity by explaining everything, having an answer for everything, having a, a cause and an opinion and a belief and a systematic way of controlling the world may not only be futile, but actually may work against us and contribute to even more upset and suffering. That's the worst part of all. Our desire to make sense of the world is so strong and so earnest. But if it's not carefully maintained and monitored, if we can't develop the sort of willpower to allow things to not make sense, we may end up limiting the size and the scope of the world just so that it can be contained. You may reduce the realm of possibility, the vastness of what it is to live, just to make living safer. And we know that can't be the way. We're going to talk about fear today. This is Andrew WK on America WK. Don't go away. 
America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. I will not be satisfied in this case until Lois Lerner and others go to prison. Lois Lerner was allowed to stay on the payroll for a couple of extra months so she would get an even bigger retirement. And now she's sitting her fat ass at her home in Richmond sucking off of her retirement that she got from public tax dollars. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Welcome back. This is America WK. I'm Andrew WK. Today we're talking about confusion and fear. And I've been feeling both. I have felt both confusion and fear for as long as I can remember. In fact, I could almost say that the first feelings that I do ever remember having in general, just feelings about life could probably be best described as feeling confused and feeling afraid, feeling like something was wrong. And unfortunately, that something wasn't specific. It wasn't particular enough to be identified. It was an overall feeling of dread. I remember waking up uh, every morning, and sometimes to this very day. Uh, actually, it's so, so such a familiar feeling to me now that I hardly even notice it. But I remember when I was much younger, probably uh, seven or eight years old, waking up to start the day going to school, or if it was summer, going to swim team or some kind of camp or activity with a feeling of unease. Now, I don't chalk this up to any particular situation that I was going through as a young person, nothing different than any other young person, really. I was very fortunate to not be dealing with really any unusual amounts of stress or any kind of anxiety that would have been caused by particular circumstances or family situations or surroundings, uh, my school or my community, neighborhood, friends, family, all that was, you know, pretty straightforward. I was very lucky, middle-class experience, which I'm very thankful for. And yet, with all that security, there was still a great feeling of insecurity. And while I myself was certainly personally insecure and still, like many people, suffer from those kinds of moments of insecurity in one's character. This was a sense of insecurity in the world. I suppose it could have been originating in me and I might project it out into the world or maybe it was some problem that I had with myself that I thought was coming from outside of me probably a bit of both as always. What is inside is usually related to what's outside and vice versa. But this was just a general sense that something was off. Couldn't quite make things fit together the way I wanted, even as a very young person. And I would try, I would try to make things make sense. Just not even anything particular. Make sense of the feeling of being alive. It seemed it seemed confusing. It seemed overwhelming. It seemed intense. And that feeling of fear and dread would just linger. I think it was clearest upon waking up because it's that feeling of emerging out of sleep and sort of reassembling your mind as you prepare to begin the day. I mean, it happens within those first two, three, four seconds upon waking up. You come back into yourself or perhaps you're coming out of yourself. Whatever you're doing, you're, you're reassembling, putting the pieces back together 
of what it is to be yourself, that feeling of you looking out at the world through your your particular perspective. And there was this unshakable feeling of of something being off. Now, after many years of living with that, and this might not necessarily be correct, but I've essentially just accepted it as the feeling of being a human. That is just the feeling of being alive, that something is wrong. I don't think that being alive is the thing that is wrong. I think it's just a feeling that actually is almost beyond description. When I try to describe it, I describe it as confusion, dread, something wrong, this feeling of being afraid. But maybe it's a core feeling that actually falls outside of any kind of description. It's not really an emotion. It's not even really a mood or a headspace. It seems like it's deeper than that. It's more at the core. And maybe in all of our striving as people, maybe all these efforts to make something of life, or even the reaction against that, not feeling like making anything of life, is somehow wrestling with that feeling. Maybe that is what makes us human because it propels us or it, it, it informs our choices in some very primary way. It's like a, a motivation that we can't even necessarily give shape to or, or, or describe, but it's pushing us somehow, somewhere. I think we all react to it differently. A very uh, close friend of mine who's struggled quite a bit throughout his life for all sorts of reasons, faced with very stressful circumstances that had nothing to do with, with him, forced into very painful and frightening scenarios where he had every reason to feel afraid. He always said he felt like there was something wrong with him, that he woke up every day and felt like there was a, a hole inside of his soul where some piece was missing. And he felt like every day, in one way or another, he devoted his time and energy to trying to find that missing piece. How many of us feel like that? I told him I feel the exact same way. He couldn't believe it. He thought he was the only one. I said, I feel the exact same way. I may describe it differently, and I certainly may respond to that feeling differently, but I said, there's nothing wrong with you. I think that feeling is the feeling of being alive. And maybe instead of interpreting it as a negative, we just learn to accept it and work with it. We don't try to ignore it or suppress it or, or, or solve it or cure it or even explain it. Because I can't really explain it in case you couldn't tell. It's just this sensation at the root of all other sensations. And maybe just because it's so strong and so powerful and so, so fundamental that when I try to get access to it it, 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 it sort of seems like a negative thing. But since it is at the core of, of being, this feeling of being alive, maybe it goes beyond negative or positive. It just is. And maybe as we're faced with very challenging outer experiences that don't necessarily seem to originate from that inner inner feeling I'm trying to describe, that inner feeling that for me would be some kind of error, some kind of wrongness, some kind of fear or dread. Maybe in the same way that I don't try to solve that any longer, I just live with it. Maybe not every encounter, every painful moment outside of us needs to be solved some of them can be solved and should be and I think it's very clear when we're faced with those and that's a beautiful thing that we have the resources and the abilities and the will and desire to fix things but some things cannot be fixed and when we try to fix them we actually inflame the situation like trying to pour water on an oil fire 
This is America WK. Thank you for being with me. I'll be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. She started getting questions about the server, which she turned over because she knew there was going to be a court order demanding it be handed over. And it looks a lot better if you say, well, here it is. And then we find out it was in the bathroom of a tech company in Colorado. In the bathroom? The secret server was in the bathroom? Pure Opelka. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. We've been talking about confusion and fear, and I've been describing this inner feeling that I've had for as long as I can remember that is difficult to describe, but it, it seems to revolve around this sensation that something is wrong. Now, I've thought that that something that felt wrong was something very specific. And many times I would try to look at my life and look at the world and what I was doing, whether it was school or projects or interests or relationships or friendships, family, and try to find the solution there. This free-floating feeling of wrongness, this dilemma I thought I could solve by getting a handle on all those things in my life. And actually, you know, trying to get a handle on those things was great good effort made sense to do. And I probably was able to make some personal improvements and do some good with that, but it didn't do anything to stop that feeling inside. And I still don't really know what to do, but I'm okay now with not knowing. And maybe that will change. Maybe someday I will solve that problem. Or maybe this inner problem isn't a problem at all. And it's just sort of developing a taste to accept it. It's like a a flavor that seemed very disagreeable the first times that you encountered it. Maybe many times, maybe the entire time, but maybe eventually there's this taste that we develop the capacity to appreciate or at least to accept, and it's not so painful. We don't have to avoid that flavor. We don't have to run from it. We don't have to try to overpower with other flavors. We just let it be what it is. I think it's like a very young child encountering some horrifying event, whether it's one they're going through personally or seeing others go through. And they ask the adults around them, whether it's their parents or teachers or family members or older friends, how come this is happening? Why did this person do this? Why did that happen? What does this mean? And we would love to be able to give that young person an answer. But sometimes we just don't know. We just don't know. And I think that's okay. I don't think we have to have a reason for the unreasonable. I think allowing it to be senseless and unreasonable, allowing those events that don't have any explanation to be inexplicable, to remain there, is actually good, is a service to all the things that are sensible, that are reasonable, that do fit into order. When things don't fit into order, let's leave them out of order. Let's not try to create a space where they can make sense, where we can put them to bed, where we can wrap them up and not have to deal with them anymore. Let us continue to confront them in this state of confusion. Let them remain confusing forever. Let them never make sense beyond that they just don't make sense. It's okay to not know. And I think that most of our fear is in some way related to the unknown, to not knowing, to not understanding, to not having answers, to not even knowing what the unknown even is. And that's completely understandable in itself. 
Maybe that's all the understanding we really need, is to understand what we don't understand. Holy smokes. Actually, I wanted to bring up a, an interesting story. Or something that I thought was interesting. Hit me like a ton of bricks today. Something uh, a bit unrelated, but perhaps refreshing. Perhaps it'll stimulate our thoughts along these lines in a, an unexpected way. Just you notice sometimes as life is happening, as we're passing through life, or life is passing over us, that whole areas of your life, whole ways of living, or whole spaces, whole versions of what it was to live, are all of a sudden, they've just vanished. Much like let's some, some restaurant, or some movie theater, or some business, some, some location that we always sort of took for granted and had blended so much into the background of our daily existence that when it was gone, we didn't even realize it was gone until we looked for it. And to our shock and perhaps our disappointment, it's not even there. But we didn't even know that it wasn't there. Well, I was talking to my mom about this certain kind of phone call that I used to have a lot, and maybe you can relate to this depending how old you are. When I was at home with my parents before I moved out, or even when I had moved out and I would be home visiting, you know, we had our landline phone with an answering machine, and actually my parents still have the same number, and the phone would ring, and it was anybody's duty who happened to be home to answer the phone. Of course, we might let it go to the answering machine, but we didn't actually do that very often. We didn't have caller ID, of course, for many years, so we just answered the phone. And probably by the time I was around, uh, gosh, I'm not sure, maybe seven, eight, nine years old, I would answer the phone quite frequently, and it was pretty exciting when I was first answering it, almost like getting to ride your bike by yourself or something, sort of a rite of passage, a participation in the adult world to actually answer the home phone. And it was usually someone calling for one of my parents, but occasionally it was a friend of mine calling. Had no cell phones, of course. I didn't even have my own line. We all just had one, one phone line for the whole house. And by the time I was probably 13 or 14, as my uh, personality began to shift and darken, as is often the case for people of that age. My conversation skills uh, or my willingness to participate in conversation, especially on the telephone with people that I didn't know or my parents, friends, or family members, I uh, was really limited. So a call at that time might have gone something like this. This is me answering. Hello? Oh, hi. Is this Andrew? Uh, yeah. Hi, Andrew. It's, it's, it's Susan. It's your mom's friend, Susan. How are you? Uh, uh, fine. Oh, wow. Well, how's school going? Uh, I don't know. Okay, okay. well, uh, is, are you having fun this summer? Yeah, I guess. All right, well, that's good to hear. Is, is your mom there? Uh, yeah, hold on. Mom! And I've sort of reflected on these kinds of conversations and maybe occasionally had some of my own when I was calling people and someone would answer and sort of speak to me with that reduced monotone delivery. But I realized that just doesn't even happen anymore. And my mom pointed that out. Now everyone more or less has their own Phone. So if someone wants to call you, they just call you. They don't call this general number. Of course, there's probably some folks out there that do, but I just realized here's an entire area. You just see this, a whole part of life. This happened multiple times, many times throughout the day, just gone. Just, it doesn't even necessarily exist. What other things like that are disappearing without us even realizing? It's America WK. America WK. With your host, Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network.
Salcedo. We have been treated to steady diets of stories about how the light footprint lead from behind foreign policy is putting us at risk. For example, the, the revelation that our Marines can no longer deploy on Navy ships, that we have to hitch a ride on, on foreign ships because we don't have enough ships in the fleet to accommodate our Marines. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The only radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. We've been talking about confusion and fear, but... Right before the break there, I was talking about a specific story, just sort of the whole phenomenon of home phone lines, shared home phone landlines, where it was anybody's duty to answer the phone when it rang, and if the call was for somebody else, you either took a message or you called your mom or your dad or your brother or sister and you gave the phone to them. Maybe you made small talk with the person calling. I had many very awkward conversations with people calling for my parents and wanting to talk with me a little bit, and I didn't really want to talk with them. <laughs> and the conversations usually were a lot of, uh, I don't know, yeah, it's fine, fine. Uh, how's summer? Fine. What are you up to? I don't know. Well, is your mom there? Mom! Or dad! Phone! What? Phone! And it seems, of course, quite trivial, and I suppose that it is, but it's... <laughs> It was a huge part of my life. I don't really know how else to say it. It would sort of be like if all of a sudden there just wasn't mail anymore. And I suppose people have seen that. I mean, faxes. I used to send a lot of faxes and receive a lot of faxes. That's almost gone, it seems. I mean, the Postal Service has certainly been reduced because of email. Technology eliminated this particular daily interaction, this particular daily experience of answering the home phone and having to give the phone to someone else. Now, of course, this can seem just pointless. What are you talking about here? I just had never realized that it was vanishing, that that particular thing, it's almost because it's inconsequential, we don't notice it, because it's not something that's so important, but it was a big part of my life either way. It's something that I didn't even realize had slipped away. What other parts of the world around us, in a similar fashion, are vanishing or have already vanished and we don't even realize it and we can't even think of what they are because we don't even know that it's gone? This is something to keep in mind. And I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be nostalgic about this. Uh, I feel like I can enjoy those memories and not wish that I had to go through that again. Actually, in many ways, I'm quite happy to not really encounter home phone landlines. I like being able to call people directly on their own phone. I like to not have to bother other people that don't want to speak with me. Uh, texting is great. I think all the advances in communication have been fantastic. I don't think that even uh, that, that, that any type of communication has its own quality. Uh, I think that you can't really eliminate communication at all. As much as people have concerns with the rise of certain technologies and how they're affecting interaction, it's hard to say what the long-term effects will be, of course. But the odds are we'll always communicate because that seems to be just an integral part of the human experience. So I don't see it ever fading away entirely. It's just changing or we're adding more ways of communicating. I mean, if someone had told me, gosh, uh, you know, 15 years ago that there would barely be landlines or family phone lines like I used to have, I would have been pretty amazed. But if someone had told me I could talk on a video camera that I hold in my hand like Dick Tracy... If you know what Dick Tracy is, like a, you know, a video watch, I would have been completely amazed. I, I probably wouldn't have believed it or just would have been so excited. And I can say as a touring rock and roll musician who is away a lot from all kinds of people, 
being able to talk to people on a video screen has been tremendous an absolutely incredible uh, additional form of communication or uh, a type of technology that facilitates the same communication we've always had. So this is not uh, pining for the good old days. Just uh, We can always appreciate the experiences that we've had without needing them to reoccur. But it's, 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 it's interesting when they've started to vanish and you didn't even realize it. What else is slipping away like that? And maybe for the best, it's almost that it's, it's, it's the insignificance of it that makes it interesting. It would be like if a whole type of food just sort of slipped away and no one really noticed because it didn't really seem that important. But then all of a sudden you just have a memory of eating it and it's just not there because people just, uh, something changed. This is America WK. We're talking about, well, we're talking about all kinds of things. But the main topic has been this feeling of confusion. And I think that the confusion can manifest as fuel, or perhaps as a result of fear, of not having a handle on things, of not being able to control things. The more out of control the world feels, the more we want to be able to wrestle it in to order. But I think really the best, the best we can hope to do is find that order within ourselves. We cannot squeeze everything into order. We cannot force everything to fall in line. When things do, that's fantastic. We can tell when we have the ability to influence certain systems, to impose rigorous structures on ways of life or just the world around us. But there will always be anomalies, and they must be allowed to remain anomalies. They don't need to be explained either. They don't need to be reasoned with. You can let things be confusing. America WK. Thanks for being with me. I'll be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Part of me thinks that Obama knows that this is a really flawed crap deal, but also knows that for his legacy, he's got to sort of stonewall the critics enough here that when he leaves office, they can do the old revisionism of the history here and say that Obama's deal was awesome. Whereas if he comes out and says, look, there are some flaws here, I agree. It makes it harder for the Obama-worshipping crowd to make it all seem brilliant when he leaves. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Get real. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. My name is Andrew WK. And thank you. As always, thank you very much. Assuming that you're still with me and listening to this episode, uh, thank you for your patience. But but not only this episode, thank you for being with me as this show has progressed now in our 18th episode. Thank you for being part of this. It is certainly a challenge, but it is extremely rewarding for me, and I really do hope that at the very least, there's something of value that you can relate to. I don't feel like I have much to offer in terms of new insights. What I'm most interested in is shedding light on areas of life and thought and inner experience that we all share and we all can relate to. 
And maybe they're just sometimes left in the shadows or the darkened corners of our daily life and we don't get to pay much attention to them or give them the consideration that perhaps they deserve. As I've gone through life, I've really appreciated those moments when someone else was able to touch upon a part of my life that I thought was either only experienced by me or was even so obscure that even I wasn't that aware of it until it was pointed out to me. And then I realized I had been thinking about it all along and didn't even really know that I had been thinking about it all along or that I had been experiencing it, just had never thought about what I was experiencing. But I'm guessing that not only have you thought a great deal about all the stuff that we're talking about here, but that uh, you have your own insights that very well could far exceed whatever I'm able to add to these observations. Today we're talking about fear and confusion. And I don't know, can you be confused without it feeling scary? Can you be afraid without that being a confusing experience? An example that I'm not thrilled to talk about, but again, I think just about everyone can relate to, depending on how old you are, I suppose, is the experience of crossing into adulthood. And while the development of a young person into an adult is certainly marked by many events and many gradual developments, changes, growths, there is none more powerful, intense, and definitive as when a human being develops the ability to create another human being. Now, like many young people, I was relatively well-informed about what would happen to me and everyone else as they grew older, and that part of that was going to involve how I changed in my body and my mind to a degree, and that getting older would give me certain privileges, certain rights, certain abilities to engage with society in different ways, but nothing was more terrifying, to me at least, than that inescapable development of manhood, being able to make a baby. Because that was the line that seemed to happen all of a sudden. It wasn't like gradually noticing hair growing, you know, you start getting a mustache very slowly. I mean, I feel like I'm still <laughs> developing the ability to get a mustache. It's been many years that that has happened. But more or less, in one night, I went from not being able to make a baby, as far as I know, to being able to make a baby. Now, of course, I didn't test this with a, a woman at the time. I think we all understand the physical situation I'm talking about. And the night when I became aware of this change, this new ability I had, I was more or less devastated. It's difficult to describe that emotion. In fact, I can't think of any other time I have felt the range of feelings that I felt at that moment. Upon realizing that I was now an adult, at least in this way, this physical way, this ability to reproduce, I was frightened, I was confused, I was extraordinarily sad, a sense of extraordinary loss flooded over my entire body, I was angry, 
I was excited. I was proud. And most of all, just extremely confused. And not confused in that I didn't understand what was happening. Not confused in that I didn't know what had just occurred or what it meant, what it implied, what I could now do. But just confused at the very fact that life worked like this, that this was actually happening. Thought it would happen to everybody else, of course. I knew it was going to happen, but it didn't seem like it actually it actually was going to happen. It was a, a line that would had been crossed that could never be uncrossed. At least uh, not by not without taking you know extraordinary measures, surgical measures, etc. But just understanding that the natural process of of me existing maybe it was a feeling of approaching death in a way. Realizing, wow, time is going by. I am moving through life towards death. This is a sign of both, you know, my mortality and also my ability to make new life. It was just a, a very overwhelming and also magical experience. And I can't really think of any other experience in life that is similar in these exact ways. I mean, certainly having a baby would be a a, a very intense, that's a very, very definitive moment. But it's related very closely to this one. And I think this one, because it happens first, is almost more powerful. It's when, it's, it's perhaps the only time in a human's life when they are one version of a human and the next a different version. Never to cross back again. It's obviously very significant and recognized as such in all kinds of cultures throughout history. Becoming an adult in this particular way. A woman that can now give birth, potentially. And a man that can now impregnate a woman. What that represents on a cosmic scale that now you possess the life force, not just because it gives you life, but because you can now give life. Just completely stupefying, and yet completely ordinary. The most fundamental part of life. Isn't it strange, always, that the most intense, incredible, miraculous things that we're able to do are also the most commonplace, the most fundamental, the most basic. There before anything else is there is our ability to procreate. And yet it is the most incredible thing that we can do without a shadow, without a doubt. And yet none of us would be here if it didn't exist. We wouldn't exist without it. And all of it is kind of confusing. This is America WK. I'll be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. The Trump effect. You know the article I was talking about that we wrote here on the radio seven months ago? That article finally appeared in the Sunday New York Times on the front page four days ago. And much of what our Socratic method will be based in the next part of the show is based on that. Let me credit them now and continue. Headline, Why Trump Won't Fold. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. I was talking about fear and one of the most frightening moments that really transcends fear as I would normally experience that sensation was the moment of passing from immaturity into maturity, from childhood into adulthood, uh, from being a young 
person who could not procreate to suddenly becoming a young person who had the ability to potentially form another young person, to make a baby. It was a... It was a, a, a nightmarish feeling. I, I, I remember going to bed that night shortly after discovering, uh, as you can imagine, I discovered this on my own, through my own efforts, not, not aware and certainly not wanting to discover this, but deep down inside realizing I was getting to, around the age where this may happen. But of course, it never occurred to me it could happen any day. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, okay. And I went to bed that night, I think almost in tears. Hadn't told anyone, hadn't told my parents. Just sort of quietly got into bed. I think almost thinking that I would wake up the next morning and it never would have happened. Of course, I woke up the next morning. It was the first thing I thought of and realized that this is it. This is the first day of my new life with this power, this ability to make a baby. And I really felt this sadness as though the person that I used to be, that kid, that whole life, that whole version of myself was forever gone, forever inaccessible, forever left behind and irrelevant, not, uh, not able to participate in who I was now. Of course, that wasn't the case. It wasn't nearly as dramatic as I was afraid it would be. Actually, not much really changed aside from this new physical ability. Of course, I was still the same person. In fact, I still feel very connected to the way I was before that to this very day. Do you feel like that? I ask this sometimes to people I meet that are older than I am. I ask them if, if their childhood feels very far away. Or more, does that person that they were at that time seem separated? Or does it seem like one continuous experience? And I've gotten all kinds of different answers from all kinds of different people. Many people that I have related to personally in terms of the life they've lived, whether it's their choices, the way they followed their path, the people that seem to have done what they felt they were meant to do, that have followed their calling, those people have seemed to feel uh, a continuous sense of connection and movement with themselves throughout their life, that they are the same person they, they always were, or the feeling that, it, that they always had remained. And then other people I've talked to who maybe have had a very dynamic life, meaning that perhaps they've seemed to have followed many different paths, almost been different people at different eras, required to do different things for different reasons. They have almost felt like they don't even know who that person was that they once were. They have described the feeling of looking back at their life as being very confusing that they don't know even who they are necessarily right now because there's no thread. Of course, there is a thread there, but it's gotten frayed or disjointed or woven throughout so many different experiences that it's hard to keep track of where that thread started and where it's wound up now. It's all zigzagged and interlaced between so many conflicting and contradicting life experiences that it's 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 hard to even tell if it's the same thread may even have changed color it may have changed texture it may have been used for different reasons but that thread has to be there it has to be one life i mean i suppose as as always it feels like both in one way i feel like the exact same person i've always been in another way i feel like i don't even know who I ever was or I am right now. An interesting exercise that I used to do quite a bit, and I wonder if you ever did this. When I was much younger, I would try to imagine 
what I would be like when I was 35, 36 years old. Who would I be at that age? It was baffling to try to picture that. Not just physically, uh, you know, being seven, eight, nine, ten years old and trying to imagine what you're going to be like at 40. Not only was it just trying to picture who that person would look like if you were meeting them, but just to think what, what will have happened in all those years. What will I have gone through? What will have uh, uh, the world gone through? And then now to be close to that age and to think back to that time when I projected myself forward and realize that you could, you're kind of in both places at the same time. Perhaps that's as close to a type of time travel as we even need to get. Imagining yourself in the past, thinking of yourself in the future. And realizing maybe that it's all just one time. One solid time. One cube of experience. Not passing by, not moving left to right, right to left. Not past or present or future. Not even present, yeah. Just one time. Not even now. I mean, that's the way most people describe it. The time is always now. Now is the time. All that exists is now. One big solid now. But now, I feel like doesn't even sum up what's really going on. I mean, approaching the ultimate unknown... Realizing not only that every day we are getting closer to death, if not our own death, someone else's death, but that it also could befall us at any moment or anyone else. In a way, it seems almost impossible to live with that. And maybe that is the source of so much of our dilemma is the, is. We're in an impossible situation. We're living beings who know that we will no longer be living beings. What are you supposed to do about that? And not only that, but the experience of not being alive isn't something we can even fathom. No matter how much we wonder about it, no no matter how much we investigate it, no matter how many beliefs we have, we have to just go on faith at some point because we just don't know it is the definition of the unknown and i don't really know what to do about that talk about confusion that's an area i have no answer for i have lots of ideas i have lots of notions suggestions ways to make myself feel better about it most of the time just stop thinking about it what's the point This is America WK. Be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Again, Mexico's going to pay for this wall, even though they say they won't. And here's how he's going to force them to. Right. He's going to impound all remittance payments derived from illegal wages. That's okay. So he's going to impound all wages. How do you do that? Well, only only illegal payments. Right. Only illegal only remittance wages. payments of illegal wages. Right. Which, of course, he's going to know through the system. The... Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. listening to America WK with Andrew WK. All right, welcome back. It's America WK. I'm Andrew WK. And today we have talked about fear, the unknown, confusion, moments of great change in life, perhaps as we're approaching that defining moment of change. 
where we go from life to whatever goes on afterwards. And using that transition as perhaps the definition of the unknown. And boy, uh, I've confused myself uh, many times throughout this discussion. And I'm not proud of that. But I'm not ashamed of it either. Because I allow myself to be confused. I don't think it's the same as ignorance. I think it takes a type of courage or clarity to realize when things don't make sense and to let them not make sense. Maybe not forever, but for a time, for a place. In fact, that it might be respectful, not only of the thing itself, but of all the things around it that do make sense. Let us take a moment to be thankful for all the things that do make sense, that we can understand, that are not confusing, that are not lost in the midst of chaos. Places where we can find comfort and security. And of course, the best place, the one place that we can rely on more than anything else is the place that is found both deep within each of us and also in the vast beyond. As always, these two areas are closely related. The most distant and most extravagantly expansive version of the world or of life or of ourselves is also connected to the part that is most familiar and most internal and most close to us. It's our greatest gift, it must be, that we are somehow made up of the greatest thing in the world. We are made up of the world. Let us find security and understanding in that, and let our comfort in knowing that help us in facing all of the uncomfortable and insecure chaotic confusion that for whatever reason we've continued to face. We can find strength there. It's an infinite amount of strength. And let us help each other to be strong enough to make it through times that are confusing. To make it through without resorting to desperate needs or desperate lengths, taking desperate measures to explain away what is too painful to face. Let's face it and let it be painful. Let us not put everything in a box so that it's contained and ordered and we can put it on a shelf in an inventory of chaos and uh, think that it will just stay put. I don't think we can wrestle with these objects in that fashion. It's like putting a a ghost in one of those boxes that uh, Ghostbusters had. It didn't do away with it. It had to be truly healed through confronting it. And in fact, it seemed that the more distress and the more... We battled with confusion. The stronger it got, the less sense it was making, the more energy was developing. It's okay to say to a young person that we just don't know why certain things are the way they are or why certain things have been the way they have been. Doesn't mean they'll continue to be that way. We're going to do everything we can to make things as good as we possibly can. But there's no shame in saying to ourselves that we don't know. It's not because of this or that policy. It's not because of this or that law. It's not because of this or that type of person. We cannot control the entire world. And we're not supposed to. We have to be strong enough to live with that. 
and trying to control the world in our mind, trying to control what we encounter in the world by organizing it is not always in our best interest. Things can be disorganized. We're strong enough to take on the world in its disorganized state. So, I certainly hope for you and myself that we can call upon that one constant source of clarity. There are many ways to get to that source. I leave it up to you and encourage you to allow each person around you to find it in their own way. But let's encourage each other most of all to hold on to the things that make sense. Do not doubt them. We can think about them. We can question them because that will help us get deeper into them. But we cannot abandon them. We cannot abandon truth. We cannot abandon hope. And certainly, most of all, we cannot abandon love. We must have the strength to keep love first and forever present. I love you. I will talk to you soon. Thank you very much, America WK. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.